Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of a baseball, economic responsibility, balance, leisure, Geraldine, San Francisco, and so much more. It is a great day, and it's ironic in a sense that we are going to sit down and listen to a great chat with Derek Posner, aka Derek Leisure, on Labor Day. There's no better time to practice leisurely living than on the day that is ironically called Labor Day. Derek stopped by recently. We talked about life, his shrewdness as a businessman, a real estate owner, his brief stint with athletics, the beard, balance, keeping healthy, Lelo G, and Grey Goose, this latest chapter as he is here in Austin representing the beautiful vodka. The Bacardi team, good bunch of folks, had many of them on the show, and it's great to add Derek to the lot. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Derek Bosner of Grey Goose. I mean, it's for me, it's all about balance. Yeah. Like, to be able to do the things that are relaxed and go travel and be comfortable. It's a lot of hard work that goes behind the scenes sure. that you don't see. Um, you know, I've been working since I was 16 years old. I bought my first property when I was 22. No shit. Yeah, so a lot of that's helped me parlay the ability to be able to do the things I'm doing now because of all the I sacrificed a lot right. from the ages of, like, 16 to 22, working two jobs and you know, not going to school and stuff like that to be able to set myself up financially to be able to kind of come back to it later in life. So that's pretty of, smart, man. Yeah. I was kind of like, I used to play baseball. Oh, really? What, I, uh, let me, uh, not a pitcher. I was a pitcher. Oh, you were a pitcher because you're pitcher. short like me. So I figured, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm only six, five. No, that's how it makes sense. Is it like, yeah. But how does, okay, so you talk about 16 when you're buying. Yeah. first property which is very insightful especially at that young of an age like isn't it hard to work so much and to train and do the baseball thing so much yeah well because i had weekends off so basically what i would do is when i was playing baseball especially in college i'd work monday i'd have school monday through friday and i was down in san jose yeah it's about 45 minutes south of san francisco and then i would come back for friday night shifts saturday shifts and sunday morning no way. and then go back to school on monday and then once I kind of st- I stopped playing baseball, so I stopped going to school. Did you get injured or just yeah? Lost I blew out my shoulder between uh, senior year of high school and freshman year of college. Oh no, kidding! So my first couple of years of college were just rehabbing, um, recovery, rotator cuff stuff, rotator cuff, yeah. biceps, tendon, and labrum all had different levels. Of yeah, pain. yeah. So, but it was funny because I didn't even know because I have a fairly high pain tolerance, I sure. guess. So it was like I just throw really slowly all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm hitting like 50% of the batters. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> They're not really, it's a slower pitch. They're yeah, fine. They're fine. I like hitting people anyway, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Like, well, so real quick, what, did the injury change the way? Because if you're thinking about, well, here's my path, right? Yeah. I'm going to do this thing. I'm doing college baseball. Maybe mm-hmm. hit the major leagues, right? Minor leagues, whatever. 
does that offer a really big stifling moment where you're like, oh, fuck, I can't do this anymore? Absolutely. I mean, it 100% changed my career perspective. Yeah. I was always one of those kids. I played baseball as soon as I could walk. I was on every Man. team. I was on all-star teams. I played in the Little League World Series. All that no kind of kidding. Stuff. There's videos of that then, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's some footage. Like, we were the first team to make it out of San Francisco in 20 years no out kidding. of our region. Um, and everyone was like, well, what's your backup plan if this doesn't work out? Yeah, fair question. I never had one. I was like, it's going to work out. I'm going to make it happen. Mm. And then something that's beyond your control, like an injury, kind of sets you off on a different path. And I never was much of a studious school person. Like, I was in and out of school, and I was really only there to play baseball. Sure. So then once baseball ended, I kind of stopped going to school as well. Man. But I also was like, you know, I have to be productive. So I ended up getting in the service industry and saving up money and just kind of thinking, I'm not going to be work on my education i need to work on future wealth sure which was ending up trying to buy property i mean it's a really smart move i mean in a way i think that planning financial planning planning for your future is a great skill set that this industry so desperately needs to be educated about yeah how do you feel about that like with your peers and maybe you because you've had some foresight yeah, you've, you've had a career. You probably have some money. You've probably got some assets. And mm-hmm. thinking about your peers, maybe not having that stuff. Well, it's hard because like I see a lot of people that I've worked with that make higher hourly and make more money than I do, right. and but yet they have less. And it's like it's always the battle with this this industry is not that people don't make enough money; it's that they spend too much. Ah. you know. So it's one like, input, one output, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's like it's all like I said, it's all about like balancing it out. With anything, it's mm. like, you know, if you're making this amount of money, then you shouldn't be spending it so lavishly. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like, especially when you work in a physical environment that's high stress, like you've earned it and, you know, it's easy to validate that. You're absolutely right. Rewarding oneself for a job well done. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like to suffer a bit. <laughs> right? Now, I've, I've, I've been very open about this. That these, yeah. Lately, I've had a few people that I care about say, I can have it all, Mike. I'm like, yeah. I don't deserve it. I'm thinking to myself, I don't deserve it. Like I want to work hard and then earn a little bit on all that hard work instead of every little gesture being yeah. rewarded by a beautiful 21-year-old Craig Elicky Scotch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't a moment, you know. Yeah, this yeah, is... yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, but do you, do you feel any sense of mentorship or any sense of leadership with the people around you to say like, hey, maybe we could try this, maybe... You could, these yeah. are the things I've learned. I mean, it's something that has always been in the discussion. I think, like, I'm lucky that I'm in the position that I'm in now where I can turn it into some kind of event with my brand where we bring a financial planner in oh, or yeah. something like that. And we have, you know, so a lot of people, like, they they want to have this be a, a conversation that they're involved in, mm-hmm. but they don't really know how to go about it. Mm. Um, so I think like, you know, doing some kind of activation or training where we, you know, we have a Grey Goose cocktail and we talk about financial planning and figure out, like open the books up and be like, well, what are you bringing in? What are you putting out? Like right. a lot of people, don't, especially in our industry, if, especially if you're working at a cash place, you don't even know what you're actually making, mm. you know? Well, that's a good point. So it's, that was always like, even at a, as soon as I became a tipped employee, I kept notebooks and I wrote everything down. So really? Exactly. Where do you get this good behavior because this doesn't spontaneously happen does it i think a lot of it is just you know for my parents i i started working at a very young age i you know i didn't have things like allowance or stuff like that so i came up being financially responsible from a very early age yeah if i wanted a pair of shoes or i wanted to get something 
it was up to me to figure out how to make that happen. Um, so I think just kind of those habits and those behaviors of growing up that way is like, you know, you want to get a Warriors jersey or something, yeah. and you're gonna have to not eat lunch for four, 65 days. You know? <laughs> so. Which is fine because you lose a bit of weight in the process. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I mean, I haven't been in this good shape since seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's a guy. Here's the question though. So athletes typically, especially baseball, you very lean, mm-hmm. a lot of weightlifting, a lot of resistance training, and all of that. Do you feel outside of yourself? being in an industry that in a sense because of our ability to just access booze mm-hmm. and food yeah late night food do you feel connected to your health and your physical prowess if you will um i it goes back and forth um i think especially being in advocacy it is something that you have to interject into your life it's not part of the balance that will naturally come with it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you're kind of always available for work you're always working if you go out people see you as this person, even if in your mind you're like, oh, I'm going to take a day off today, right. you're never really off, and there's always something going on. Yeah. Um, so unless you, and that's something I had to learn in the early stages of it, is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself uh, health-wise and physical-wise because right. it can get away from you really quickly. Before you know because time goes by so quickly. Yeah. 30 pounds later, right? Exactly. 10 years later. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people that I, I have a general concern for, and it's like, I'll, let's go to the gym. Not not to, to bust your ass, but just to have that connection with your body. Exactly. Because that actually helps, I think, get you away a little bit. Because then if you feel healthy yeah. and you drink too much, you feel bad. Yeah. You eat the wrong things, you know. Exactly. It definitely has a connection to your performance yeah. overall with Mental everything. acuity. Too. Mental health is, is huge with that. Like, I realize, like, you know, if I'm not working out, then a lot of the other stuff kind of wears down on you a lot more than normal. Absolutely. And if you're not balancing that out, it's a lot harder to overcome. Yeah. Because we deal with so many things that are on the other side of the spectrum. Absolutely. Um, so if you're not actively seeking out ways to balance that, then... It will never be balanced. Exactly. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And do you, one of the things that I think is really important as people get older, you know, I'm... 38 and i've been doing this less and in a different capacity i've found nice ways to have an introduction to this industry without having to break my back from behind the bar not that i wouldn't do it because mm-hmm. i absolutely would and i think those are the kinds of dues i need to pay but i pay them in different ways i guess we could say. yeah but one of the things i think as i get older is the ability to say no mm-hmm. and not feel like that's going to limit your ability to advance career-wise is is an important thing but how do you feel about that concept i completely agree too i think that's something that you learn especially as things become more accessible to you yeah um the ability to say no or the ability to pace yourself or the ability to not you know especially when you first like when you start attending bartending events and become more you get on the other side of like the industry scene and like things are more available to you it's so easy to like oh there's an event here there's an event here and to have every drink that they're offering and then by six o'clock, the night's done for you. Right, right. You know, so I think it's important to kind of, a lot of it comes with experience and maturity. Because sure. I think we've all kind of been there at, at that stage where like it's exciting and it's new and like all these brands are coming to us and like giving us cocktails and mm. tasting and we're learning. And they're often free too, which yeah. does, it sweetens the deal a for little sure. bit. And that's sure. the biggest problem mm-hmm. is that in a way, you know, when I, when I think about master distillers now, I think about Jimmy Russell or Harlan. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Buffalo Trace, you 
you basically have these rock stars mm-hmm. that are affiliated with alcohol and alcohol is affiliated with parties. So by the transitive properties of math or alcohol, mm-hmm. you're out, <laughs> right? You're yeah. representing this beautiful vodka. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you've got to... You've got to fucking put up a show. You've got to be a show, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to be out there. You have to be kind of performing because yeah. if you're not, maybe the brand suffers, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely, you get, you become the brand. Yeah. So when you're out and, you know, you're doing your activations or you're just hanging out at Nickel City at 1130 and getting a slider, <laughs> you know, you're you're still the Grey Goose guy right. that's eating a cheeseburger and having, you know, a vodka soda. Dude, do you, do you remember, okay, do you ever seen Bad Santa? <laughs> uh-huh. So remember when Billy Bob Thornton, this is, this is exactly the separation that needs to occur. So <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's having lunch, and he's eating a salad, and he's in his Santa costume in the mall, and this kid and his mom come up, and he goes, oh, Santa, blah, 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 and they're talking to him, and he's like, can't you see I'm at fucking lunch? And he's like <laughs> spitting his salad at him. Like that, right. that moment, right? Like where yeah. you just have to realize you're not wearing the costume, mm-hmm. getting a slider at Nickel City at 1130. Yeah. Is there anything we can do to like properly... Ad- like address these things no i mean it's also it's the job i love doing this job and i'm always out and it's the the one of the main reasons why i love being in this role is because it's something that fits my lifestyle of what i would have been doing anyway oh, i see and it works i'm fortunate enough to work for a brand that i really believe in and i'm excited yeah. to work about and we've doing been doing a lot of great work in the community um but it's also it's like it's just kind of a transition sure where you know like you go out like okay like any because you sit down and maybe you get a cocktail placement or maybe someone sits down with you and you can get a training that's from someone you just met now nah, you're right that owns a bar on east six that you didn't know you know it's, always an opportunity there's there. always opportunities so it's like you know as long as you're prepared to know and you're in that mindset then yeah. you're you're good and if something nothing comes along that day it's not a big deal but you know that's part of the reason why i'll just go out and like have a drink and sit down and see who's who's around yeah um that's why like you know some of the accounts that are a little more casual are huge because you can catch a lot of people that are getting off of work and you know you strike up a conversation all of a sudden you're like yeah come in let's do a training or like you know i'd I'd love to work with you yeah you were just sitting there eating a burger that's an aspect of it i had never thought about and i think that's actually truly valuable kind of the because the industry works in different hours Mm -hmm. obviously you're doing your sales calls and whatever placements or whatever recaps for the month Mm -hmm. during the day the nine to five hours but really the true lead generation if you will occurs at that bar at 11 30 exactly. at nickel city it's hard any hard and fast rules for you like don't go out every night only go out these nights i mean anything you abide by um i try to take at least two days off a week from yeah. drinking completely um i think i hope this wasn't one of those days i don't want to pressure no, you into today <laughs> today is not <laughs> today is uh today's a go day um a go day (laughs) (laughs) so but i've been making especially recently like making sure that i'm getting some kind of workout in three or four days a week uh just helps you have your mind right to go into the next day and like a lot of it too is what i really enjoy about the job is like problem solving and putting puzzles together and being like all right well this account is asking for these things it's not really what my role is but how can I facilitate my mm. role to work with this account so that every, it works for everyone? Yeah. Um, which is the cool thing about our programming is that it's not strict. It's very like these are the basic messages that you want to get across, but you execute them as best you can yeah. in your market with your people, um, which the flexibility and the creativity of it is something I really enjoy. Yeah, I think that's really good. I didn't, you know, you studied at San, San Francisco University, San, San Francisco, Francisco State, State University, yeah. right? 
And so, like, studying hospitality, mm-hmm. studying entrepreneurialism. Yeah. So you knew at some point, I mean, you're obviously thinking, I, I hate to use the phrase outside the box, but you're thinking about the future. You're thinking yeah. about making sure you've got financial stability. But entering, <laughs> very counterintuitive, but yeah. entering the hospitality industry, yeah. what was it about maybe working at the Drake or working for Star, Starwood or Kempton that mm-hmm. made you realize, oh, shit, this is actually a really good fit? for me as an industry um i think i mean it started out kind of you know i was 16 when i started busing tables and stuff it was the most amount of money i could make on the schedule i had available and then from there it became like you know i can make a living off this i really enjoy doing it i like working with the people i'm learning a lot and i just kind of kept growing and progressing and then when eventually when i came back to school um the program at San Francisco State is is in the business school, so yeah. it's a hospitality and business program. So it just kind of worked out perfectly. Um, and kind of what it, you know, the way I saw my career path was to get into management, work for larger hotel companies and stuff like that, to have the security of it. Because I, I started out in a lot of family-owned places mm-hmm. where, like, you can come in tomorrow and there's locks on the doors. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to kind of able to build a career um i interned at the four seasons uh to start which was that's huge. where the people cut their teeth yeah and it was a good place for me to learn a lot because especially coming from places with no rules they have yeah. a lot of rules um so it was good for me to kind of see different aspects of hospitality and yeah. then, you know through the passion of just being in the industry and like i was always a night person i like being out i like you know, I get bored easily. I can't stay home. So yeah. it was just, it just kind of worked out perfectly. And I was like, you know, this is something I can build a career off of and just kind of progress. That's great. But San Francisco born and raised though, right? Or did uh, you leave, live slightly outside? I was born in Queens, New York. No shit. But we How long were you guys there? Very, only about a year. Oh yeah. But all my family, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone else is still in New York. So oh, no way. we're kind of... So I used to spend at least one month of summer there. We'd go live with grandparents or my cousins and mm. hang out. So my parents are born and raised Queens, New York, and then we moved out when I was a child. Um, and I grew up in San Francisco until the last four years when I moved here. Dude, I mean, my mom was born born and raised in San Francisco. Oh, nice. I didn't yeah, know that. raised raised that way, and like the which which the tales she regales me of uh-huh. seeing the Grateful Dead's first show. Yeah. And like <laughs> this kind of period in history and stuff, how does it feel to grow up and kind of come to your own in San Francisco? I because mean, my perception of it is incredibly open, yeah. incredibly accepting. It is for sure. It's um, it's an interesting city to grow up in as a child. It's not really. It's a city for adults. Yeah. Um, and now that I go back, I lo- like it's amazing to go back and visit and be able to experience it. But growing up there, it's, it's a lot different than people assume it is mm-hmm. um it's a very blue collar town there's a totally big is. underbelly there um but you know like growing up in the neighborhoods i grew up in it's a lot different than the image that people have but you know coming at one of the main reasons i moved is because the, the gentrification there is so rapid yeah. and things are changing so quickly that it's changed a lot and like you go to places that don't exist anymore and like there's it's always been a transient city mm-hmm where people are coming in and, and, you know, leaving and stuff like that. But a lot of the time, very, this is the first time I've ever seen like some of the culture leave the city and not come to the city. No kidding. So getting pushed out, kind getting of. sanitized. Yeah, for sure. That's how, you know, that's how, and you've been, you said about four years, mm-hmm. been here about 18 years yeah. and the Austin culture is also becoming sanitized. And I, I don't say that with, 
any kind of sense of resentment. You know, I don't tell people to get the fuck out. I think that's really foolish, and that's what they did in Germany, right? Exactly. <laughs> except, right? Like, yeah. except people. Yep. But the thing that, that scares me about Austin is, like, there's not a lot of regulation here to stop that. Right. You know, in San Francisco, yet, yeah. you, you can't really, you can't build anything. So it's like there's rent control and yeah. stuff like that. So if your lease is up in San Francisco, it, you can be rated $20 a month legally. So a lot of people could stay there and they can stay in their, you know, where they've lived forever. Right. You live in a place like Texas, they can raise it to whatever they want when, right. you're, when your lease is up. So that, that part kind of scares me where it's like that can happen so quickly and there's no real regulation on you're absolutely right. how to, to monitor that. Because we can build all the way out into Buda. You can do whatever you want. It want to, right? Like yeah. there's so, Texas and all of its glory is a massive, mm-hmm. <laughs> massive real estate hog. It has just so much available stuff. Yep. But that's a really interesting point because how Austin appears to be mm-hmm. to people that maybe want to come here for a weekend or, yeah. or a bachelorette party or whatever, how it actually is like out for facing to the rest of the country. Uh-huh. People are doing well and still not really having the best accommodations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Back to your point again about wealth disparity. The yeah. image of Austin, it far exceeds its its ability to actually pay and have people live that way. Exactly. I mean, because I've always looked at it as like, you make $150,000, but you have 130000 in expenses. Right. What are you really making? What's the point? Yeah. You yeah. Know, I'd rather make $60,000 and have $15,000 in expenses. Right. I, I have more money. Yeah. You well, know. you look at it like that. Yeah. I don't know where you got this thing. I don't know where you got this hat, this very PL centric and accounting insightful yeah. I hat. Did, I did study accounting for a month and a half. Oh, there so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fucking intense month and a half, yeah, wasn't it? Was, it? That was over that real quick. <laughs> very, very influential. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a weird thing. Personal finances, business finances, yeah. you know, that balance, kind of preparing for the future. It's interesting in this industry as well because it's feels like you want to live fast and die hard or live hard and die fast for sure i mean and so we don't think about maybe 20 years from now no you don't because i mean it's i mean i've been you know one of the main people is like i'd rather live 100 percent of these days than 40 percent of more days you know yeah interesting you know which is you know a perspective on looking at things but kind of the way i see it is like you know going back to being able to travel and like you know i can go abroad and do other things it's like mm. this is the only way i can have that lifestyle for myself is if i figure out how to kind of move the dominoes around right and like fit the puzzle pieces you, it, I mean, you're right it's basically compartmentalizing and keeping your silos all filled with money and kind of mm. time how about family and stuff do you think about that piece getting married settling down yeah i do um and I'm not asking for your, for your girlfriend or whatever. She yeah. did. We never talked. So I'm not yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I'm also like, I think especially when you're, you're in your might, right mind state, it's like it's important to just kind of just act positively and think positively and just yeah. do right, and everything else will kind of fall into place. It's a karmic thing, man. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I believe that that you feel kind of connected, that you put out good stuff, you get good stuff back. Exactly. Yeah. So, you That's know. a San Francisco thing. I yeah, man. You just, you just try to be good and make a good effort. Yeah. And things will work out. You know, maybe, you know, if it takes a little longer, that's not a bad thing. Maybe right. There's some other things you need to do that you wouldn't have been able to do if you had started a family at this time. That's a good point, too. You know. I, I kind of, well, I won't get on that tirade about families and stuff because, you know, obviously my mom had me. That was a good move. At least as far as I'm concerned. So I, like, I agree. 
<laughs> we still talk. We got a great relationship. Yeah, so it right. worked out long term for her. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, one of the, the the things that makes me wonder though, so you you know, you go from this place, maybe you're identifying some things in San Francisco, see some writing on the wall, maybe the mm-hmm. again the denaturing of the culture. What was it about Austin that drove you here? What was the the connection here? It was I mean, literally throwing darts at a wall. Yeah. Um I got a map right here. I wish yeah. I had some darts actually. <laughs> yeah, I might end up in South Africa by the end of this. <laughs> it's interview. a very small map. So. <laughs> Tunisia, god damn it. Um yeah, the, the extent of my Texas experience before I was a resident was a two layovers at DFW, one of which I didn't even get off the plane. Oh jeez. So I had never been to Texas. Um literally I kind of narrowed it down by like I mean, to be completely honest, I was looking for girl-to-guy ratios of single men in my age group. I think that, that is a reasonable <laughs> metric to use before moving to a place. Yeah, so it was like, oh, three to one. I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was, I looked at, and the salaries were fairly competitive. The girl-to-guy ratio was on point. Yeah. Um, so I kind of narrowed it down between here and Portland. But Portland was kind of similar to San Francisco, and I had been there five or six times already. Yeah. So I kind of, I just wanted to do something different. Um, applied for one job. And I had the job within. I had an offer letter within eight days. No way. So which which what was your first gig here? Uh, I was managing Trace at the W. Trace, that's right. Okay, so, that that's a Starwood. Starwood. Yeah, they're owned by Marriott now. Okay, kind of like okay. a little merger takeover. Um, but yeah, I applied for the job. I had a, a phone call interview on Friday. An interview with Human Resources on yeah. Sunday, which was like put me on high alert that like this is probably gonna happen. Sure, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, HR you, working on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. right before Fourth of July. Too. Oh, yeah. I was literally driving up to Lake Tahoe for Fourth of July weekend, and I took the call. We stopped to get lunch, and I took the call there and had the interview and I had a job offer on Monday. It's almost four years to the dot, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, I got here. I left August 1st, and I got here August 5th, no 2014. I packed up the car. because I didn't want to fly because I knew if I flew, I'd have to work the next day. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I kind of wanted to like progressively transition. Dip your toes in. Exactly. Right? Just kind of before you totally jump in. Yeah. How was that experience? It was cool. I mean, especially never being in Texas and like literally just coming here based on stereotypes and like internet yeah. research um girl to guy ratio exactly girl to guy ratio i think that's a very honest (laughs) thing and i really appreciate that that's you you do want to have a good relationship in the place you're moving towards i was i hear portland's really difficult portland's the ratio wasn't the same and that's why i'm not there (laughs) (laughs) it's a great place to visit sure (laughs) um but yeah like you know i drove here so i went from la to phoenix and spent the night in el paso and like when you get to el paso it's like when you think of what Texas is in your yeah. mind as someone who's never been here, you're like, all right, like this is Western and this is border town. And Absolutely. Like, you know, it's like, okay. Um, and then I drove through and once you start to get to the Fredericksburg area, the landscape completely changes. It does. It, it right. blew my mind. Um, I had no idea of like there was any like real waterways here, or how green it was going to be. Or... Peaches? Really? Peaches? Yeah. And I was like, Tuscany in Texas. Like, what the hell is yeah. this? Like, I didn't know there was wine here. I didn't, yeah. I was, like, I stopped and it was, my mind was blown. Um, and it was really cool. Like, I, just, I remember like very vividly kind of the drive. I, I came in from the west and got off on Cesar Chavez. And just, I got in right around five o'clock mm-hmm. and just seeing people running the trail along the lake and yeah. seeing how green it was. And then I turned right on the vodka and the W is right there. I was like, this is going to be good. It's a good, that, I mean, that's the, when you think about Austin, that is the place, mm-hmm. you know, watch those people running yeah. foolishly. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I hate running. But anyway, it's a beautiful trail. It's <laughs> yeah. 
It's good to look at. Yeah, it's good. And it, but it, that's like a kind of just a cinematic moment, mm-hmm. you know. And you're like, okay, this can be all right. You ever see Boyhood? No. It's, it's so it's a great movie. You know, a little bit long, but that last scene where like everything just kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've arrived. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that thing. It was good. It's just like I don't know. Like I decided to rent my place out back home and. That my director of operations, who was like two levels above me, mm. just moved out of his place and he needed a spot. And he was literally like heard that I was leaving and he was like, I'll take it. So like in between the time of me applying for the job and me working at the job was like three weeks, including oh, wow. moving here and getting a tenant in my place. That's great. So, so really like zero downtime for you. Yeah. And it really was just like, like back to the karmatic thing. It's like everything is helping you facilitate you to come here. Like it's telling you, the universe is saying, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. This is the right time. Go. So you just, you don't fight that. That's you right. Know? Fear sometimes prevents us from doing the greatest things mm-hmm. ever because all of the, the tides are moving in the right way. Exactly. People are telling us the right things. And we either can accept it or we can ignore it and be afraid of the change. Yeah. So, I, But I love that. I mean, you, you consider yourself obviously very open to reading things that are like around us for opportunities yeah i mean it just it was too easy to be like this isn't right like yeah something is telling me like go right here you are like invisible hand yeah so here you are four years see you've made a big splash in four years the life of the party (laughs) or some parties yeah i mean i i can't i think the first time i met you were working with benita as a, Mm -hmm. a wild turkey perhaps yeah, yeah. I think at the uh, some food and wine. Was, thing. Yeah, it was food and wine alliance. Yeah, event. yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing is, is you know what I really love, and this is karmic in a sense too. That mm-hmm. in this industry, you can build very easy ways to preconceive notions about people. Mm-hmm. You know, because these interactions that you have from behind the bar are relatively superficial. Because yeah. you just got a job, you gotta get this thing done. Feeling good, good, good. Here's your drink, enjoy it. Right, exactly. But I was like, I don't know about this dude. Not yeah. that I thought you were a bad guy, but I'm like, is there any depth here? You know, I'm just because yeah. I'm always thinking about people. I'm not trying to judge. I just want to see like he's got to be a good guy. Everybody kind of vouches for you. Yeah. So you're, you're far more in depth and far more insightful than I would have ever for imagined. Sure. And I think like I think that's a huge thing in our industry too is that people are so used to like putting on a hospitality face yeah. and like oh this but like I don't have that as good as other people have because mm. like you i actually want to get to know you and yeah. have an actual relationship with you and like you know a lot of the friends i have from back home i've known since i was 10 12 years old like they at this point i've known them longer than half my life yeah um and a lot of my friends here in austin i've met my first second third day here so it's crazy it's important to me to have real relationships as opposed to like a ton of friends that you're kind of close with but not really like completely agree you know what i mean because I'd rather have five great friends than 150,000 okay friends. Exactly. It's like, just, it doesn't, because, you know, we, we're going to have dark times. We're going to have up times. And, like, how, being able to speak frankly about that stuff is yeah. so important. Or who, who's going to actually come get you out of jail? That's right. You, like, you need, you need the short list. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I shot myself again. I'm on the side of the street. Can you yeah. at least bring me a towel? Yeah. yeah all right. Exactly. All right. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Maybe pick me up? No. Yeah. Fine. Call me an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine too. <laughs> Even deflecting the responsibility to exactly. someone else—that's still a good friend. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna get you home, but I'm not leaving the couch. Yeah, 
That's still good. Exactly. I like that. Just send me a pin. <laughs> <laughs> so then this whole thing, you know, this latest chapter, sometime in February, I think you took the role mm-hmm. with Bacardi for Greg Goose. You know, I this year, or rather the, the last 12 months, I've had what I consider life-changing interactions with some of the folks from Bacardi that mm-hmm. I never thought I would have. Meeting Francois mm-hmm. and interviewing him and spending good quality time with him at a dinner and then in an interview mm-hmm. as I got back from France too. Yeah. It, it was so resonant. It was so connective. And then obviously Dwayne is a brilliant judge of talent, a great man himself. Mm-hmm. Ian, Nathan, yep. right, or Nate, or nasty names, right? <laughs> <laughs> but great. like, how did, how did this whole thing come about? How did Bacardi approach you and say, you, Derek, the man of leisure... <laughs> We need you to head this up for Austin. Um, I mean, I had a couple things in the works with them that didn't quite work out previously, um, but I did really well. And they kind of had my name in, in the hat, yeah. basically. And once I found out the job was available, I went through those ch- channels of my connections with, again to kind of get in the running. And, you know, definitely I was a dark horse. I wasn't, you know, the obvious choice, but I think my way of making things work and working hard and figuring out angles that other people don't right. see. And also, I mean, when you look at the team as a whole, we're all unique in our own ways and our own markets and everyone kind of makes sense for where they are and what they're doing. And I think like, I really took advantage of that. It was like, you know, I, this is the challenge. We're in the vodka capital of America. Right. And you, I, I can do this and I'm someone who will do this, but you need to take a chance. And they were willing to take a chance on me and kind of see that I do things a little differently, but the results speak for themselves kind mm. of deal. Um, Vodka fell out of favor, mm-hmm. you know, although it's still the biggest category, so I don't really believe that, but I understand the kind of challenges that Greg Goose has faced and McCarty has faced. But there's a couple ways in which you guys have tried to elevate Grey Goose as a mark and also the experience of Grey Goose. And one of those things that I'm familiar with that I have yet to try is the Ducasse. Yes. Alain Ducasse? Is that mm-hmm. right? what, so what it, ex- describe, there's this one and there's one other one. Like, I can't the remember what VX? The, that's the VX, yeah. yes. So what do these two expressions do for the brand and kind of what makes them and separates them from the core of um, Goose? So, I mean, to start at the core of our, of our concept, um, start there. Grey Goose created the ultra premium category of vodka. Basically, you had a top shelf, and then Grey Goose built another shelf on top of that and mm-hmm. put themselves there. Um, and that was the idea and the thinking of we're going to use the best field to bottle ingredients that are possibly available to us, and we're going to create this ultra premium category. Yeah. As we built the brand, there was a need to, as competitors helped, stepped up, or tried to compete, then there was a need to kind of create some other things. Um, so what we have is VX, which is one of our our top tier ex- expressions. It's a beautiful um, bottle, man. It's a beautiful bottle. Um, so basically, I mean, what it is, is uh, Francois started in the cognac industry. Yeah. He's, a, he's a cellar master. Maitre de Chê, right? Maitre de Chê, yeah. seven-year apprenticeship. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of an ode to his roots. Um, and if you ever are lucky enough to go to Le Logis, there are cogn- it's in the middle of Cognac. There are Cognac vin- grape vineyards on property, mm. um, and we actually distill those grapes, um, and they're distilled locally in the region from local distillers. Um, and what VX is is 95% uh, Grey Goose, 
juice blended with 5% unaged estate cognac. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So it's a grape eau de vie and a wheat eau de vie. Exactly. Well, that's beautiful. So it's just kind of basically meant to combine Francois's current with his past. Yeah. Essentially. How did, so th- is it transformative for you? Does it take you back to that place? It I, it does now, yeah. um, especially now that I've been able to go and I've like been in the vineyards and like we've tasted cognacs and stuff like that yeah. on site. So now as soon as I see that bottle, it takes me right back to Leilogy and you're just like, you know, I this bottle, I know exactly where it came from. Yeah. Like, I was sitting there eating fromage. It, yeah, it's awesome. amazing. Um, it's just, it's a really cool thing. And then um, Ducasse is also, it's a partnership with Chef Alain Ducasse and Francois, our, our master distiller. Um, so what they did is all our products, 100% French winter wheat. Mm. And we take that distillate and then they take four different toasts of the French winter wheat at different times and take the extraction and blend that together. Whoa, so it's a, just the, the essence of the wheat at different kind of caramelization levels or whatever exactly. that you blend it back. So it Ooh. took them five years to decide on each level of how, how they wanted the toast to, how, like how far they right. wanted to toast it at four different times. How does that taste? I can't even imagine. It's like a vodka I've never had. Um, if you tasted it, you probably, on its own, without knowing what it is, you might not be able to put it mm. into a category just blind tasting it. I get a lot of like earthiness, almost like a sesame, mm-hmm. um, a little bit. It's not smoky, but it's like caramely, like like a rum maybe. Yeah, yeah, a little caramel. It's but it's got like like that green bite too. It's yeah. just it's really good. It makes a great martini, but also pairs with things like you know specialty bitters and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, salty stuff, like salty. Food? Yeah, yeah sounds a little salty. olive oil or something like that. Oh, dude, some um, uh, gosh, some charcuterie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we've been able to get it, get that moving in some accounts, and That's it, great. it's it's just it's a cool thing because especially like a lot of our trainings are based on comparative tasting. So if you have something like that, and what our base of our first thing we taste is Pulagar, which is you know, basically what's the closest thing to the vodka that was made in eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, it really a lot of people was like vodka doesn't taste like anything; it's flavorless or orders. And once you taste these things, it kind of sets you up like, all right, well, hold on. This is different. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this, um, so it's a good way to kind of set that off. Well, I think it's a great to innovate like that to try to push the category forward. Because mm-hmm. to your point, I mean, well, I won't get into the the woes of the the vodka industry, but mm-hmm. the, it's a lot of rubbish, man. Yeah, you know, and there's not a lot of things that make it different. But you know, did you ever imagine that you would be working with Bacardi with one of the best luxury brands of the world? No, I mean it's. It's really like a dream job, it's a dream come true. Yeah. I'm thankful every day. I literally keep uh, the job description on my wall next to my light switch, so I see it every day. Just oh, to remind yeah. myself. Of Thankfulness. Like, yeah, of how lucky I am to be where I am. Um, so it's it's really important to me, um, and just kind of stay humble and stay grounded and make yeah. sure that I'm doing right by everyone that I'm dealing with. That's great. Yeah. Do you you know like a smart guy with assets <laughs> you know you you'll be doing this Grey goose thing for a bit i'm sure mm-hmm. is this brand ambassador role is it something you're thinking man it'd be nice to expand it maybe i'll take on a couple states maybe yeah. i'll stab julian and then take like global <laughs> exactly well i mean that's the thing too it's like i'm trying to position myself as someone who can work with multiple brands mm-hmm. or like has relationships in other regions because you know, obviously is kind of cyclical. Sometimes it's in, sometimes it's out. It yeah. kind of depends. Um, but 
I mean, it's definitely something I want as a career. I, I, like I said earlier, it kind of parallels with the way I live my lifestyle anyway, between traveling and being out all the time and like being in social settings. It's, yeah. it's something that, you know, meshes with my personality. I'd be doing it on my free time anyway. Which yeah, is, getting paid for things you'd be doing anyway. Exactly. And that, that was kind of the other side of it is like, all right, well, I need to like maybe stay home once a week and, yeah. like, you know, cook dinner or something. <laughs> <laughs> Play some chess. I don't know. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Learn hey, how to read. Learn how to read. <laughs> Learn French, perhaps. There you go. That's not a bad idea. And you're going back to Les Logis? Yeah. I'm, uh, fortunate enough, I'm going next Friday. We're hosting a distributor trip. Hate you. So That's not really a hate. <laughs> it's a disdain. Yeah. Is that better or worse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I get to go out there, and then I also have to go to Tales, so straight back. Thankless job. I know, I got to repack my suitcase and then go to Tales of Cocktail for uh, for about a week. And yeah. What do you hope to do out there? It's my first time, yeah. uh, so I'm really excited to just kind of soak it in. I've never been like more nervous and more excited for a trip in the really? same time. Yeah. Because um, I, I know there's, you know, it's, New Orleans is rough on its own yeah. to visit to, so to be there for a week with the bartending conference is going to be sweaty. Yeah. In, in the and middle vibes. of July. Yeah. Oh. It's an interesting thing though. I, education's vastly important mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm glad that the conference kind of has still treaded on. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. So I got, you know, I've got all these kind of things to think about, like what does Derek do next? You know, I'm not even going to ask you that question though, because okay. you're always going to, I sense that you're always going to plan and you're always going to be really set up for success. And I imagine with the luck and rather the success you've had already in Austin with Grey Goose, that I mean, this is a really nice match. For you. Mm-hmm. And I've been drinking a lot of martinis lately. So there you go. The, you we, know, like, we like that. <laughs> well, so here, here's the thing, because you guys have Oxley and then you have Grey Goose. Mm-hmm. What compels someone to go to one or the other? Or rather, is there kind of some narrative that you can help someone get I, into the right kind? So people have a Vesper. Oh, because it's kind of both. <laughs> That's just double dipping. There you go. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You can't make a decision. Have both. How about that? What about if... Have you, I, I wonder, have, have you ever done a 50-50 blend of a vodka and a gin martini? Mm-hmm. How was that? It's delicious. Good. Yeah. It's and it works for the, the, the Bacardi brand. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I need to try it. I don't know, man. I'm still on the fence about it. Yeah. What's your what's your preferred martini? Four to one martini, London Dry, Twist. Yeah. That's it. You can, I mean, there's plenty of wonderful London Dry. For sure. Ox is great, to be honest. Really yeah, it is nice. great. It's a it's a great product and it's fun. I've been working a lot with Irene because yeah. gin and vodka. You know, we did Martini Mondays at Drinkwell, so yeah, that, that was an easy it. thing to do. I can't believe I missed that. But I mean, I think especially when you have a true classic vodka martini, it's a cocktail that really showcases the spirit. Mm. And if you're not making it with the quality vodka, that really stands out. Sure. Um, so that's kind of like one of the main reasons that I like to show off Grey Goose in a martini is because if you use something that's not of that level, it's not going to taste. It, it, just it cracks. Not... The makeup cracks under the lighting. Exactly. It? Yeah. There's nothing to cover that up where Grey Goose can stand on its own, and mm-hmm. that it really helps the spirit shine. Um, but it also, if you go the other way with the vodka that's not of the same level, then yeah. it really shows the difference. So it's a real, like you said, it kind of shines a light on, like, this is why we're saying this is different. Yeah, super concentrated and very much under the spotlight. Mm-hmm. That's why the martini is the perfect cocktail. I agree. Because you can really, it's like acting on Broadway. Mm-hmm. You know, no takes. 
Yeah. You fucking remember remember your dialogue and you execute it and you bring that crown yeah. to its knees. People are there to see you. That is exactly <laughs> right. Yep. So I got two questions left for you. Okay. And what is the world's first podcast with Derek Leisure? <laughs> <laughs> I feel lucky. It's like before they were big, right? That's like, right. <laughs> behind the music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, I think about this and let's say you're enjoying a vodka martini with a twist. I'm just going to impart my beliefs onto you here. I'm a twist guy. Much better. I don't like the salinity. I've, I've been getting big on the onions, though. A twist uh, and Gibson, onion. right? Yeah. yeah. Gibson. Uh, on the side, just because I get on hungry. On the side, okay. <laughs> I could do olives on the side. I just don't want the brine in the cocktail. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to eat when I drink. That's a great thing. Yeah. Pearl <laughs> onions, though, man. Come on. <laughs> well, if you have a bacon one, then we're really there talking. You go. The ranchero. <laughs> <laughs> but you're anywhere in the world, maybe Le Logis, mm-hmm. maybe sipping some beautiful martinis there. If you could have a drink and a conversation with anybody, living or deceased, who might you like to just sit up at the bar and spend the rest of the night just talking about everything? It's an interesting question because I had this during my interview. No shit. And, uh, they stole my question. <laughs> well, my my answer to that was the everyone at this table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well done. <laughs> I feel like if they hear me say that again, they're gonna, they're gonna be like, "Hey, hold on here." Um, I probably say my grandfather's. Yeah. Uh, one of which I've never met, and then another, you know, in at the time that we're all the same age. Yeah. Oh you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Not as I knew them or never got a chance to. In their youth, in other words. In their youth, like pre-marriage, before they yeah. met my grandmothers. To kind of just like see where I where I get everything from. And yeah. like, you know, have a night. How, like, how cool would that be to go hang out with your grandfather and you guys are both 25 going to get martinis? He, man, he was a drunk, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my like, mind was single malt guy. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's it, it is a lovely thought. Yeah, I think that would be cool because, like, you know, like I said, one of them I never met. Yeah. And the other. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So it's like I to get to sit down and have a martini with, you know, your bloodline. Yeah. At the same age, at the same time you are to just kind of see, like, how were they at this age? I think that'd be really cool. I think it's a great insight into history and kind of where you come from. I think we all want to know where we come from. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 one of those things sometimes that my mom will act certain ways. And I've never seen it throughout my kind of, like prepubescent age up even to adulthood mm-hmm. but Ladia, my wife she'll see it she's like you're just like your mom like fuck really <laughs> you know so it's one of these yeah. things like maybe at, at the same age yeah then you can really get a clear yeah, insight into <laughs> how similar you yeah, are i mean I, I definitely like see how i'm like my parents sometimes i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> man it's, it's one of those things i mean it's just coming to grips with fucking geneticism yeah. yeah there's nothing you can do and if they send me another 23 and me link i'm like <laughs> And change my email. <laughs> I need to take that. Man, there's so many good categories. I, I just want to invent for 23 and me. Well, you probably won't die quick, but you're going to die young. Like That's, that, right. that's a category. That's like, <laughs> you're eligible for that. There you go. Well, so the last question, it looks like, and I, you know, there's the last name difference and stuff. So maybe, you know, I'm not going to make assumptions. Maybe your folks got divorced like early on or whatever, and you guys moved. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But your dad seems like a hell of a rock star. He is. So, I don't know. The whole last name thing kind of started when I was applying for jobs, and I just didn't want people creeping on my Facebook. Yeah. Um, 
and my dad's always gone by an alias. My parents are just still together. They got married at 22 and 21. Oh, nice. And they've been together somewhere between 40 and 45 years. That's which incredible. Is insane. Yeah. They've been married for 15 years longer. Longer than you've been alive. <laughs> so it's like, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he was in the original set of Twisted Sister. Which I was, saw some D. Snyder re- like yeah. reference. That is fucking awesome. He was? Yeah, so they were in a band called Peacock. It was my dad, my uncle, D. Snyder, and another guy that ended up being in Twisted Sister. But he came up, like, you know, in the metal scene in New York in the 70s. Oh, no way. Um, and, you know, he he was... I get a lot of, like, the entrepreneurship and kind of, like, 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 like you said, like, the outside-the-box thing. It's yeah. like, I don't care about the box. Like, a lot of people, like, want to live in there. But right. to me, it's irrelevant. Like, I just see paths of how to make things work. And if it goes in the box or outside the box, it is what it is. But yeah. like, you know, he was signed to a record label as a drummer. I think it was RCA at sixteen. No fucking way. Um. So and he's still playing music to this day. He still yeah, he's does in like shows. a band in San Francisco. Right yeah, now. his band right now is called the Bone Drivers. The Bone Drivers. Yes. Yeah, so that's not that's not double entendre at all. No, at all. It's <laughs> funny because it's one word, so I just call him the Bone Drivers. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't think it's as funny as I am, but it's not. <laughs> It's for my amusement. Dude, okay, so what you do is you put a picture of Joan Rivers and you take oh, her wow. face off and put a skull. Okay. I, was, I thought the... you were going to go somewhere else with no, that. No, no, <laughs> Not like real gross, just super dad joke. Okay. Yes, you turn Joan Rivers into a skull. I like that. I'm going to send that to him. The bone Rivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he goes under Karloff, which is not his name either. But yeah, kind of just like I got to a point where, especially when I got into man, I got I was managing in hotels when I was 25 years old. Yeah. And I really truly believe like if you're gonna be in food and beverage operations, you can't be successful unless you're there fifty to sixty hours a week. It's just right. it's a job that demands that of you to be successful. If you want to put in forty, you're just there's too much work left on the plate. There's too much stuff to do. Yeah. It's just one of those jobs that takes that time. So after I had like, you know, spent most of my young life working and then I took a little break and then I came back and put this career like four or five years in management for hotels and kinda the, the legend of leisure was born legend of leisure. So i was like you know I've, I've, paid, I've done what i wanted to do here i've gotten to a point where i can like now i can go back behind the bar and work three or four days a week and like drive for uber just yeah. kind of like you know just kind of like let life come to me as it does and like and that's kind of like a lot of my philosophy is just to like let things let, let things let happen. happen yeah let things happen just, just be chill happen yeah don't have too many expectations because it yeah. frames what you want to do with it next instead of just letting it exactly come to you and the lower you set the bar the easier it is to walk <laughs> over <laughs> lower standards you find more dates you find more oh, yeah. jobs <laughs> it is a way to live yeah man <laughs> i've never been more successful <laughs> <laughs> because the bar's so low anything's yeah. above the bar that's right this is a great Fucking philosophy. <laughs> now, maybe underselling someone's capabilities and their natural and innate talent. <laughs> Who cares? That's not. That's, that's none of our concern. I yeah, don't think. Exactly. <laughs> Man, well, it's you know, I'm so glad that that you came by. I'm so glad we get to chat about all this stuff and talk about some metal from the '70s. <laughs> Drink some Craig Elke. Obviously, we're gonna crack into this Craig Goose here shortly, and it's beautiful family of Bacardi folks. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you're in Austin. Appreciate that. And we, we got to keep talking. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I yeah. really appreciate it. I'm honored oh. and humbled to be here. Oh, my pleasure, man. And yeah, man, this was great. Great. I'll be back tomorrow if you want. <laughs>
Yeah, call my, call my secretary. Okay. <laughs> Facebook right. me. There you go. Thanks, Derek. Talk okay. soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Well, there we have it. Derek Posner, the very responsible, very erudite, very savvy business-centered guy. Now in Austin, Texas, representing Greg Goose. It's a good personality. You know, it talks about some of the struggles of making sure you're behind the bar and engaging with people, but also maintaining the business mind. Always keeping your cool, keeping your shit together, because the more and more you drink, the less and less work gets done. So again, going back to this core pillar of our existence, or at least what we're striving to do, and that is balance. If you're going to drink, fine, but make sure you rest. If you're going to be out and social, also make sure you have time for yourself to think, perhaps yoga, perhaps meditation. I'm going to go on a brief tangent here. This past month or two has been a very, very trying one for me personally. And the past few weeks, I have not put out a show. I've been in the process of moving, been in the process of reconnecting with myself, reconnecting with people around me. And despite some dark times, despite some stupid self-involved activities, I cannot thank this community enough for being supportive and showing that, in fact, I have resonated with people. This balance is truly there and people do care. So this is all just to say it may feel bleak at times. It may feel insurmountable, depressive. All of these things that alcohol just furthers and really, really heightens. But there are people there that care. There are people that want to listen, that want to be there for you. So you need to confide in people and I hope for those of you who listen to the show, for those of you who have been on the show, you can always count on me to be there for you. We can talk, we can chat, we can do anything we need to do, but you are important to me. And I now realize or am starting to realize that perhaps I am important to you too. So Derek, thank you so much for talking about these things. It was kind of a trigger and again, The show is back on the road. You'll see more episodes coming soon, and I really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to Show to V. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. No matter how ensconced you are by the Sinner series with Bill Pullman, that amazing man, and Jessica Biel just dropped on Netflix. Or if you're thinking Ozark Season 2 is pretty dark, not sure I can watch a show that is so gray for two whole seasons, please keep going.